We are up to chapter 50 of the Tadya. And today's class covers two very important Hasidic concepts called, adding to our Hasidic lexicon, Ratsui and Shuv. Ratsui? With that little. What? With an L. Ratsui, R O T Z. U-Y, Ratsoi, and Shuv, S-H-U-V. We'll come back to these two concepts in a moment, but that's really going to be the theme of today's class. But before we get straight to Ratsoi and Shuv, let's first see where we're up to in the Tanya. Since chapter 43, we've been on a journey of love. We've been... uh, exploring many different forms of love that we can develop for Hashem. Love is something important, not just in our interpersonal relationships, but also in our relationship with Hashem, in our Yiddishkeit, in our Judaism. There needs to be a relationship. We can't just be doing things because we have to, or because we're used to it, or because we're concerned of the consequences, not even out of the fringe benefits. Yes, learning uh, um, Gemara makes your mind sharp, but, but that can't be the reason we do it. What we do has got to be done because we actually want to connect with the giver of these mitzvahs, the giver of the Torah. We want to have a love relationship with Hashem. Why? Because then that becomes the motiv- motivator Ultimately, action is what matters most, but that motivates our actions to, be, to happen and to happen with passion and to really uh, be done in the most beautiful way. And that way we get to connect with Hashem in a, a holistic way with all of our being, not only in our actions, but with, with, with our heart and soul. And so we've been exploring many different forms of love. The common denominator between all of these forms of love has been a desire to connect with Hashem. We want to be one with Hashem. This chapter, chapter 50, introduces a very different form of love. And with this final love discussion of chapter 50, we are going to be concluding this topic, this journey of developing a love for Hashem that we have been on over the last eight chapters. So I may have not have given a full revision, but I've given some context. What is the love of chapter 50 all about? The Tanya describes it as a love of gold, a love of the tribe of Levi, a love of the left, a love of Gvura. These are a lot of just words for now. To explain what this means, as opposed to all the previous loves which were associated with a love of chesed, of kindness, a love of the right side, which was associated with love of silver. So we have silver and gold. We have the right and left. We have chesed and gvura. And, and usually 
when we talk about love, it is the love of, of chesed. Chesed is to give or to bring down. The love that's spoken over here in chapter 50 is the love that comes from gvura, strictness or power. Usually gvura is associated with fear. Chesed generating love and gvura generating fear. But here in chapter 50, we see how gvura can also be a type of love. Now, if by now you're completely lost, then, then uh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but now we'll unpack it. Let's unpack this. All of these words, gold and silver, koyen and levi, right to the left, chesed and gvura, how do all of these things line up? Chesed, kindness, Strictness. But when, you, when one translates kvura as strictness, it's just um, touching on one of the elements of kvura. Strength, isn't it? Strength. strength. There we go. Gibor is a strong. Kvura has a lot packed into it. We're going to try to see how kvura over here, strength or toughness, is associated with love. Because usually it's not. Usually that's more associated with fear. So Kabbalah, ex- Kabbalah explains that chesed is on the right and kvura is on the left. Chesed is um, when one is kind to somebody, one is giving. It's a flow from top down. Chesed is associated, or Chachma is associated with water, which flows from a high place to a low place. Gvura is associated with fire, which ascends from a low place to a high place. Earlier in the Tanya, we described how as long as your relationship is just based on love, so you're always in the picture. I love. When you love, you're kind of taking the uh, relationship and bringing it into your space. That's why love is generally associated with chesed, which is kindness, which is to bring it down. A flow downwards, like water goes from a high place to a low place. This is the Kabbalah part of the class. If you're losing me, don't worry. We'll, we'll really bring it home in a few minutes. Where am I at? So love is usually in your space. It's, it's, it's bringing somebody into your life. And we talk about a love of Hashem. It's about me connecting with Hashem. So there's me and there's Hashem and we connect. In whatever way. That's generally how love works. It's, it's, it's two entities coming together, connecting. And therefore love is associated with chesed, which is to bring it down, to bring it into our space. The love described here in chapter 50 is a love where the person is so ecstatic about Hashem that he wants to just expire. And therefore it's associated with a fire that wants to just ascend. If you hold a match upright, the, the fire is just going to leave the match. It says, even, if, even though it will be extinguished, it will be left with no fire altogether. The nature of fire is to just want to go up and expire. And that's the love that we speak about here in chapter 50. And that's why it's called the love of Gvura. It's power. It's rather than the chesed, the kindness of giving down, bringing down, the strictness or the toughness or the power is more, more than bringing it into your space. It's more about... Going up. 
So it's, instead of coming down like water, it's going up like fire. It's a very unconventional form of love, but the Tanya describes this love to be like gold in that it's glittering. It's, 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 um, the Zoyar describes gold as having this captivating luster which glistens the eye of the beholder. Yes, silver is precious, but that um, glittering of the gold that captivates the eye in its shine and its beauty is uh, illustrative of the type of love that we speak of over here. So that's the end of the Kabbalah. Now we'll talk about what this means, practically speaking. Just one more point. We spoke about a coin and a levy. The coin until now is the man of kindness, which was corresponded to the previous types of love that we spoke about, of bringing down. The levy's job was to sing to Hashem. When a person sings, they go out of themselves. And they, 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 they rise above. Sung is a moment where you reach beyond. And since the Leviim in the temple, the Levites' job was to sing, so they demonstrated this unique form of love discussed here in chapter 50 of where the person wants to reach beyond, to expire. So what is this love all about? Now, the bad news is that the Ta'al says that he can't put this love into writing. He says it's beyond what can be written down with ink on paper. It needs to be experienced. And the only way it can be experienced is if we're very sure to be out of trouble. Only if we're keeping away from sin will it even be possible to experience such a love. So this is a love that we can't really understand and requires a prerequisite commitment of refraining from sin. But then when that love is experienced, it is out of this world. But he does tell us a little bit about it. That's the good news. The bad news is that it can't be put on paper, but the good news is that the Alter Rebbe still tells us about it. And when the Alter Rebbe was telling us about it, he wasn't telling us about something that apparently exists. He was sharing something that he himself experienced in his own life. The Alter Rebbe used to get so ecstatic and attached to Hashem that he would completely like leave this world um, at least like, obviously he'd physically be here, but, he, but he, would, he would reach different places. They had to pad his office with pillows because when he would be in this like, um, when, he, when he would be captured in this love of Hashem, he would be able to bang into the walls and the floors and he could literally harm himself because he was, he was, he was uh, so uh, consumed by this love. In fact, the story goes that he was once davening. He used to daven at length. The davening was a time when he achieved this level of love. And they came to look for him in Shul and they couldn't find him. So the altar never was missing, the author of the Tanya. And they went and they found him in the forest. And he was holding on to a piece of the bimah. Because he was so taken away by this love that he just 
as he just drifted off into the forest, he, st- he didn't let go of this piece of the bimah. So he cracked off this piece of the bimah and he was still holding on to the bimah as if he was still sitting in shul, except he was in the middle of the forest, still holding on to his bimah. This is obviously is not something that me and you can achieve. But it is something like everything in the Tanya that we can aspire towards. And here we come back to the two um, key words of Ratsui and Shuv. Ratsui is where a person, and Ratsui has two meanings. It means to run and it means to desire. Same in Hebrew, Rats means to run. And Ratzeh means to desire, or Ratzon is a desire. Ratzeh is the, the person desires Hashem and therefore he's running towards him. He's running out of this world. He, 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 like we spoke earlier about how every day we have the opportunity to leave the exile of this world. Every day we have the opportunity to, to uh, step up and above all of the trappings of materialism. And there's a part of our Shabbat that desires to just break out of this physical world, to break out of all of the trappings and to just cleave to Hashem. And it could reach, it could go from, I don't know if you want to call it from good to better or from bad to worse. This rotsu, this desire, this race to try to get close to Hashem starts off as a thirst for Hashem. And then can develop into it. The person becomes literally love sick. With a with a a love of sick. I love you. Like I I my love is making me ill. My love for you is making me ill. Today we would call that mental illness. The Baal Shem Tov, founder of Hasidus, um, once met a doctor. The doctor had heard about him and he came to check him out. And he had heard that the Baal Shem Tov is well-versed in medicine. Okay, like that's, that's the field of a doctor, not the field of a, of a Hasidic master, a Kabbalist. So the doctor wanted to come and see for himself. So he came to the Baal Shem Tov. And he, and he wanted to see if the Baal Shem Tov knew medicine. So they started talking and the Baal Shem Tov said that, um, yeah, he knows, he knows about the pulse. In fact, the Baal Shem Tov asked him to check his pulse, to check the Baal Shem Tov's pulse, um, uh, to see if everything's okay. So the doctor checks his pulse and uh, he see, says, I see something's wrong. Yes, something's wrong. So what is it? And he tries to give him a thorough assessment before MRIs and EGs and whatever else. And he says, I know that you're sick, but I don't know what the cause is. I can't figure out where this is coming from. To which the Baal Shem Tov responded, of course you can't detect where the sickness is coming from. The, the sickness is from the fact that I'm love sick for Hashem. I know sick sounds like a bad word. We all want to be healthy and strong, but it doesn't end there. Let me give a simple example to help understand this. A healthy person should be getting how many hours of sleep? Eight hours, seven, eight. Each person gets it. Some people. <laughs> there we go. If only. 
So, what would your thoughts be if you met a, a young couple? And they said that... Um, uh, no, they don't spend any time in the evenings together because they're very uh, uh, from, very religious about getting enough sleep. They're worried they'll get carried away with the sleep. So therefore, they make sure every night they go to sleep early and wake up early because it's more important to be healthy than uh, to be in love. Obviously, something would be majorly wrong. Meaning, yes, hopefully in a healthy relationship, there's a struggle. There's, on the one hand... Uh, 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 an interest of wanting to spend time with each other, which which sacrifices on your sleep or whatever other things that your body needs. And then you need to remind yourself, no, you need to stay healthy. You need to make sure that you get enough sleep. You take care of yourself. But there is this, there needs to be that struggle where on the one hand, no, I can't sleep. There's a relationship or whatever area you have. Somebody is excited about Torah and he wants to sit and he learns many hours into the night. And then you say, no, you've got to go to sleep. You can't, you can't continue like this. But if the guy is just going to sleep, not because, because he has to pull himself away from his books because he knows that his body needs to be healthy, but because he's got nothing else to do. So he comes home and there's nothing. So he just goes to sleep. So then maybe that's a bigger, a bigger problem. Maybe you won't call it illness because he's physically strong. He's getting a good night's sleep. But he's lacking so much of what makes us people. Just to develop the point a little more. We've got to be passionate. We don't want to be boring. We don't want to just fit into the schedule where everything... Uh, and as we get older, we do become more structured and do have more systems. But the challenge of life is to rejuvenate our relationships with each other and with Hashem, where there is that continuous uh, uh, challenge. So, so back to, to, to the question, is this healthy? It's not just healthy, it's, 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 it's vital. It's vital for us to have a struggle of being between being in this world and being out of this world. We'll come back to the show, we're still on the Ratsui. So this example of sleep versus spending time together, this is the, the, the analogy that I'm giving of how on the one hand we want to be healthy, on the other hand we need to have higher aspirations. And, and in Hasidic terminology we speak about Ratsui and Shuv. So Ratsui is running and desiring to just cleave to Hashem in a three-step process. The first person firstly, I'm going back to where I started, firstly thirsts Hashem, he has a thirst for it. And more than that, he becomes lovesick, but still in a healthy way, not in a dangerous way. And then finally, some people's souls actually expire. There are people that literally died, not out of illness, but because they were in such, had such a yearning and desire to come close to Hashem that their soul just went back to its maker. That sounds terrible. It is. <laughs> it's not the purpose. But... We're not, we're not, we're not um, uh, promoting this. We're not promoting people to die or to leave this world or to, or to lose, lose touch with reality in the physical world. But we are promoting to, ha to, to, to have a desire to completely connect with Hashem. But then comes Shuv. Shuv is very important. When we read in the Torah about Aaron's two sides, sons, 
that they, uh, it says they brought an offering, a foreign offering to Hashem, and they died. And the Arachayim, one of the, the famous commentaries of the Torah, says that, well, how did they die? Because there was, they had such a desire to come close to Hashem that their souls literally expired. But it's not. It's not the purpose. Specifically, Hasidus Chabad, the Tanya teaches us, what? That the purpose of why a soul comes down into this world is to make a home for Hashem in this world. To be physical people, to be in the space. Can I just add? Yes. Two sons of Aaron yes. expired. Yes. The Torah tells us that was a sin. Uh-huh. They were not meant to expire. Uh-huh. It wasn't the goal. Uh-huh. But, per- but perhaps they demonstrated to us that how we should have such an aspiration, but just making sure that we don't go over the top. Another example could be hiking, right? Hiking. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. But unfortunately, many people die every year on uh, wherever it is, in, in Kilimanjaro, Everest. And that's, that's sad, right? Their, their inspiration is just, uh, I mean, for them, that's their life. They, they hike or, or these other guys that, what? Okay, that's, I shouldn't go there. They like to like um, dare the animals until they just uh, get eaten up by them. Oh, but uh, sorry. <laughs> there's a famous guy in Australia that everybody was following. How he was like swimming with the until, until, yeah. So anyhow, but back to hiking. So is it good to want to aspire and hike and push yourself? Absolutely. Just make sure you don't go over the top. Just don't walk over the cliff. Sounds very obsessive. Mm. Is that good? I guess. Yeah, it's a balance. So, so shuv, what does shuv mean? I think we need to understand that, that, we, that God is something that we can aspire to love in such a way. That's what the point is. Like we, we talk about Hashem and we don't, we're, not, we're not getting to the fact that we can actually have a relationship with Him in a way that we can love Him so much. And we become crazy him so over Him. We go sugar. <laughs> we should be sugar about Hashem. People go sugar about everything. You should be Meshuggah about Hashem, but not too Meshuggah. So after the Ratzah comes the Shuv. We should go Meshuggah, but we shouldn't become a Meshuggah. <laughs> Shuv means to return. Or it means Yoshev means to sit. It means to bring this back down. The, uh, the Altarebbe, again, the author of the Tanya, was once sitting and he was learning with his Chavrusa, with his uh, study partner, Avram the Malach. And they were learning deep Hasidic, Kabbalistic concepts, very, very deep stuff. And then Avram the Malach, he was called the Malach because he was like so pure. He, uh, he sees the Altar of is sitting down and he's eating a bagel. And not only is he eating a bagel, but he's eating it like he's smeared butter on top of it. Like he's made it into a good, a, a good lunch. And he is shocked. Like we're busy learning about all of these high, lofty, Kabbalistic spiritual ideas that are like causing us to drift off into higher worlds and here you're sitting down and you, you're helping yourself to a gazunta bagel and he asked the Alter Rebbe what's going on over here and the Alter Rebbe responded that he needed to make sure that his soul doesn't expire he needed to make sure to bring it back down so just when he was getting so spiritually excited and drifting into higher worlds he quickly shoo return sit down he sat himself down and he ate a physical bagel and made it not just physical, but tasty by adding butter onto that bagel, bagel to make sure that he grounds, that he grounds that excitement back into, into the, his physical life, into the way that he eats the, the bagel. It's very high aspirations. The previous loves that we spoke about up until here in chapter 50 was a love where we want to have Hashem in our lives. 
And so it only made sense that we're going to run to do a mitzvah, because when we do a mitzvah, we bring Hashem into our life. This love initially causes us to just want to leave our lives and just be attached with Hashem without any of the limitations of the world. And so it doesn't initially generate an excitement to do mitzvahs, which are physically based. I'm not looking to run off and help a guy, uh, I don't know, give him a loan. I want to just be wrapped in my talus and fitted and expiring to high heights. But, but as the soul feels this fiery, gold-like, glissary excitement to Hashem, it's reminded, and what does Hashem want? To go back home. Hashem wants you to now take that love and bring it back into this world and eat a bagel with butter. To go ahead and to go and do a mitzvah. <laughs> So you can't have shuv without ratza. You can't return if you haven't gone places. You've got to go back home, but you've got to go places in order to go home, not just stay home. If you stay home, that's boring. So I'm just wondering, if you say uh, sleep takes away from studying or getting close to Hashem, isn't this also taking away from your relationships with other people, with your job, with your life, with your... If you, I mean, to reach that level, you've got to almost give up. Give up. Um, so that's a very good question. And that would be a bad thing. It would. It would. Um, let's remind ourselves that the, the whole Torah on one foot is to love your fellow like yourself. Meaning that most of our Jewish experience is actually engaging with relationships and with people and helping people and doing a mitzvah. Tzedakah is referred to as the mitzvah, and it's superior to all other mitzvahs. Um, so, so this is the point, that you can't have ratzai without shuv. If your ratzai is re- taking you to a point that it is compromising on your uh, um, uh, responsibilities to your family and friends and your relationships and being in this world, then that's, that, that it's gone too far, that it's time for some shuv. So who warns you about that? I mean, if you're so into it, uh, how, are you, how, how could you be aware? So, so one of the prerequisites we mentioned in order to reach this Ratsoi, so it's to think about, to ponder how we are insignificant before God. I didn't mention that. But we said also you have to be clean from sin, meaning you, you need to keep away from sin. Why? Because as long as you're involved in sin, so then this can be, it could have somewhat of a selfish um, uh, element to it. Meaning, if the person hasn't refrained from sin, then is he sitting and from bragging all night because he wants to party with his friends and he's forgetting about his wife and kids? And that would be a bad thing. But if it's coming out of a space that first and foremost is that I've got to be clean from sin, which means for starters, I might, I'm doing the right thing. The, the foundation needs to be commitment to mitzvahs and included commitment to mitzvahs is looking after one's wife and children and family and friends. And, and, and the moment a person's spiritual aspirations make him less tolerant of another person and leaves him with less time to help somebody else out, then we know that it's not just that he's gone too far. He's actually, it's already not, a, it's, it's, it's a selfish aspiration. It's not a godly aspiration. So already from the start... They, the, 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 our sages tell us that there were four great rabbis that went into the orchard, paradise, which represents four different levels of understanding, and three of them uh, didn't make it out. Don't have much time to tell you the story in details. Only Rabbi Akiva came out, 
And, and according to one version of the Gemara, he entered in peace and he exited in peace. And, and the Gemara says that since he entered in peace, therefore he exited in peace. So the way Hasidus explains it is already when he entered, he had in mind that he needs to exit. So uh, firstly, we've got to make sure that it's genuine. It's not just our own selfish getting carried away with our nonsenses. It's, it's a real, genuine, well-based, based on mitzvahs, based on a true aspiration for Hashem, We've got to make sure it's genuine. And secondly, we've got to make sure from the start that ultimately what does God want? He wants us to be here in this world. We've run out of time. I'm going to conclude just with two um, uh, famous concepts in Torah. The first is we say every Friday night, Come, my beloved, towards the, the color, towards the, the Shabbos queen. And the Tanya we hear interprets it at a deeper level according to Kabbalah. We're talking to ourselves, the same word color, which is a bride, can also mean this kilayo, this yearning, this aspiration. We say, come, let's aspire. Let's aspire for something higher. And as Shabbos comes in, and it's a moment where we, we do separate ourselves somewhat from this world in order to come back to the next Sunday morning. But on Shabbos, we're detached. We are. So yeah, maybe people will complain. And you do hear that Zaydi and Shul that says that, you know, I want to have my son with me in shul, and now he started keeping Shabbos, and he's not around, and it's not right. But, but, but no, it is right, because this is what the call of the hour. Shabbos is a time to, to, to disconnect, to disconnect from, from, from the different things that Hashem doesn't allow us to do. Um, so, l'chadoidi l'kras kala. As Shabbos begins, we say, come, let's go for a kala, let's go for a, a yearning, kilayoid, let's aspire for something high, let's kind of step out of the mundane of this world. And then obviously we need to bring it back home. Um, and then finally, there's a famous uh, uh, saying of our sages in Perkyavis, Ethics of Our Fathers, By force you are alive and by force you die. So what does this mean? The Tanya here in chapter 50 explains that, that to live means to live in this world. And to die means for the soul to go back to heaven. Originally when the soul comes down into this world, he needs to force himself to live. Why? Because the soul has such an aspiration to die, such an aspiration to just cleave to Hashem, that it needs to be reminded, no, as much as you have that rotsu, as much as you have that yearning, that desire to cleave to Hashem, no, you need to live. You need to be back in this world. So that's our We say to the soul, by force, you are alive in this world. Don't run anywhere. You need to be here. But then the verse continues, but by force... You die. What does that mean? So a simple read is that we get comfortable in this world until you know, we don't want to go anywhere. But the way that Tanya Bia explains it is beautifully. If we substitute the words chai and base with rotsui and shuv, with aspiration and return. So first when the soul is coming into this world, it needs to have that yearning to come to Hashem. And then we say, no, you need to live. You need to have that shuv. You need to be here in this world. But when we get too comfortable in this world, we say, no, don't get too comfortable. You need to have that by force you die, meaning that you need to force yourself to also not be too invested in the physical world, to still retain that level of rotsui. And that's really the story of our lives. That we, we in this continuous, nowadays the popular words are pendulous motion. In this continuous pendulous motion, on the one hand, we are, we are aspiring to break out of all of the... This is really the story of the Tanya. 
and the story of our lives. On the one hand, we're in this continuous motion of to get out of Egypt, to get out of the trappings of the physical world, to be able to have a moment where we say Shema, and we connect to Hashem in a real way, that we feel like that's all that matters, and everything else is not existent. This is the Ratsui, that absolute moment of just attaching ourselves to Hashem, where we want to forget about everything. But then we say, no, bring it back down into this world. Finish davening. Take off your tefillin. Today I had to take off my tefillin in the middle of davening because the guy next to me forgot his tefillin at home. So, uh, and then I needed a rush because I had a Tanya class to get to. Because he, <laughs> he was taking his time in the tefillin, which was beautiful. So, 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 so that's the story of our lives. It's the story of Tanya, of Chesidus. How on the one hand, how we need to have this continuous desire to connect and break out of the trappings of the physical world. That's step one. Step two is, no, bring it back home. Go, have a healthy conversation with your spouse and your children. Give them time. Don't be carried away with, with your spiritual aspirations. Be there for them. But then as we get too involved in the physical, right, go make some money and you'll give some tzedakah. Don't get trapped in the business. We've got to remind ourselves to once again not be trapped by the mundane, and, but to continue to infuse the mundane with this aspiration to reach higher, yes. No, 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 sorry. It's, it's not one level of each person, each person on his level. Ratsi exists on multiple levels in many different ways. It's, it's a theme. It's, 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 a, it's really a direction. Ratsi is really a direction. It's, it's, it's directing ourselves towards Hashem. Yeah, certainly. I mean, just talking to my spiritual mentor, to my Mashbiya, the times that I spoke to him about how I'm unsatisfied and he said, it's okay, just, just don't, don't, don't leave that for now, your, your frustration that you want to be doing more. And there's times that he pushed me for the opposite, that you know, you've know, you got to go and you've got to do this and you've got to do more. So the uncertainty of Ashbia, and just to, just to end again this morning, a very eventful morning, um, I, I bumped into a doctor and he just said to me, like, no, 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 he just, he just went away for a few days, he was in Israel and he needs to restructure <laughs> needs to have more learning, like he just feels like, so here's somebody that was very involved in learning and then got very busy as a doctor. And maybe he won't, it will be a continuous struggle for him. But he just like was saying like, I just realized now I need some more Ratsu. I've had too much of, I need more Ratsu. So we need to keep, so, so we need to have a Mashbiya, a spiritual mentor, but also we need to keep asking ourselves, do we have Ratsu and do we have Shuv?